Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Man, we're so grateful that you guys are joining us, whether you're joining us in person or you're joining us online. We're grateful to have you. And our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Uh, if you've been coming for uh, just a few weeks or maybe you've been coming for a while and you've never attended Next Steps with Front Range, then we have one coming up January 30th. Uh, it's kind of a, a way to find out more information about our church and uh, kind of where we've been, where we believe God's taking us, but more importantly, how you can get connected here uh, into the church. And so if you've never been to that, man, we'll have child care, we'll have free food, all that stuff. So we try to take away all the excuses. The Broncos won't be playing any playoff games, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so uh, man, sign up for it. Go on our website. You can sign up there. Uh, it'll fill up. So make sure you, uh, you register. Uh, man, we'd love to see you there and just get to know you more and uh, hopefully figure out how to better connect you to our church. I'm excited about today. Uh, the message is not a popular one, just so you know. The crowd last service was quiet the entire time, which is awesome as a communicator. Uh, but I believe that today's conversation can be transformational for every single one of us if we take into practice uh, what, what, what we're talking about. I'll start off by asking this question, what steals your peace? Think about that. Over the last week, watch it, boy. Over the last week, what has stolen your peace? As I've thought about that, for me, is uh, uh, we were trapped in a foreign country. That stole our peace. I had to get five COVID tests. That was still my peace. My kids. Uh, any of you got kids? Yeah, they alone will steal your peace. Amen. Um, uh, watching this game on Monday. Uh, it was a small game. It's called National Championship. Georgia was in it. And uh, watching the, these biased commentators and these biased refs and all stole my peace. But not for long, baby. <laughs> not for long. I'm kind of a prophet. I told you guys this summer that this was our year. Now, I've said it every year, and it hasn't been, but this was finally our year. What steals your peace? I mean, what in your life takes away the peace that you long for? I'll guarantee you, whatever your answer is, it falls into three categories. And these three categories, I'll call them enemies. They're enemies to your soul. They're enemies to your peace. Last week, we talked about one of them in Satan. Uh, the devil is an enemy to your peace. And Pastor Brandon did a phenomenal job on the message. Man, if you miss it, go watch it online. Trust me, it's one of the best messages I've ever heard on Satan and, and how do we fight against him and all of that. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go watch it this week at some point. Tomorrow, or next week, we're going to look at the world and how there's things in our world that try to rob you, try to steal the peace from your life. Today we're talking about an area that most of the world would say, man, that's not an enemy. That's not something trying to rob you of peace. In fact, the world would say it this way, that that's just who you are. That's just how you're created to be. Now, the, the enemy we're talking about today has a biblical term, and that biblical term is the flesh. Now, let me give you a definition of what the flesh is. The flesh is this. It's sinful passions, desires apart from God, a sinful appetite in all of us that feels natural but is wrong. Maybe a simpler way to say that is the flesh is uh, when we either love the wrong things or we love the right things in the wrong order. So it's either when we love the wrong things or we love the right things just in the wrong order. It's like when, when we get angry at somebody and, and, and we curse them out or we, we cut them off in traffic. Or, or maybe it's when you consume your life with Netflix that all you want to do is watch serial killer shows. Anybody else? What? 
That's like my favorite shows. That's, I love those. But whatever. That says something about me, I think. Um, but may, you, if you just want to, it's not that Netflix is bad. It's just putting it in the wrong order that when you consume your life with something like that, or maybe it's taking a second look or a third look or downloading something that you know isn't edifying to you or other people. It's looking or watching something that you know your mama wouldn't be happy with, much less God. Now, this, this idea of the flesh, this idea of like just get yours, these sinful passions and the, these desires that are apart from God, it was popularized uh, by a saying. Uh, and this saying, if you know it, I need you to, uh, to finish it with me. The saying goes like this, the heart wants what the heart wants. Now, this saying was popularized. It was, it was created by uh, Woody Allen, the director Woody Allen. And it was, uh, he said this when a reporter came to him and said, hey, hey, Mr. Allen, Help us to understand how you can marry this little girl that was the daughter of your girlfriend, a little girl that you actually helped raise. Help us to understand that you can, how you can marry a girl like that, this, this girl way younger than you and was kind of your daughter. And he said, the heart wants what the heart wants. Now, for most of us, that sounds pretty disgusting in that specific scenario, but it really epitomizes our culture. It really epitomizes our desires. It epitomizes really what Scripture talks about and, and uh, what the author of a book called Live No Lies. If you've never read uh, Live No Lies, it's by John Mark Comer. Uh, he's one of the greatest theologians of our time right now, in my opinion. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. And we've kind of taken this series based off of, of this book. So if you want to dive deeper into any of these topics, get that book. But he says this. He kind of creates this working theory of the devil's strategy. He says, the working theory of the devil's strategy is deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. I'm going to repeat that because he's saying, what he's saying is that the devil's strategy from the beginning of time, the devil's strategy is, is this, deceitful ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. So first step in, in the devil's strategy is to spread lies, these deceitful ideas. We talked about this last week and how do you combat the lies of the enemy? You use scripture, you use fasting, and some other spiritual disciplines as well. But that's kind of the first step of the devil's strategy is deceitful ideas. But it doesn't stop there. These deceitful ideas that have to play to disordered desires. Disordered desires. These disordered desires, these sinful passions, these desires that are apart from God or what we call the flesh. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you some, some truths about the flesh. For truth number one, again, please like take this into consideration. This is not one of those like feel good messages, but this is one of those messages that will transform you. Truth number one about the flesh, all of us are born with sinful desires. All of us are born with sinful desires. Now this is where we get pushback in our society. This is where someone would say, hey Ernest, my truth may not be your truth, but it doesn't mean that I'm sinning. Or, hey, Ernest, just because you don't agree with what I'm doing doesn't make my desires and what I want doesn't make them sinful or anything or, or apart from maybe what you think God wants. That's kind of where the rub is in our society would say, you know, you say it's sinful, but I'm saying it's just part of who I am. Well, don't shoot the messenger because this is what the message is. If you look in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That every single person in this room, every single one of us watching online, that no matter what you've done in your life, all of us have, have, have fallen short of God's standard. What's God's standard? Perfection. His standard is perfection. So unless you're perfect, you've fallen short of that standard. 
And so falling short of that standard means that we have sinful desires. It means that we all sin. Now, all of us understand that. We all, we all know that everyone sins. If you don't, then you've never been around a two-year-old, right? Like two-year-olds are like the most beautiful and the most sinful people on the planet, right? Like what's, what, what, are, what, are, what is a two-year-old's favorite words? No and mine, right? Like you've never met a two-year-old that you said no to and they were like, thank you, Father. Thank you for these great boundaries that you've put in place because you love me so much. Like if that's your two-year-old, I've got something to learn from you, right? But like that's never a two-year-old I've ever been around. When, when you tell a two-year-old no, they start screaming and crying. And then the older they get, they storm out of the room and they manipulate. And I'm just talking about my own life right now. You know, like <clears throat> that might not be your experience, but that this is what happens. So we know. We know that every person on the planet has sinned at some point in their lives, that all of us were born with sinful desires. Now, when I say that we're all born with sinful desires, I'm not saying that you're a bad person. I'm just saying that we all have bad desires inside of us. When I say that we're all born with sinful desires, I'm not saying that you don't want to do good. I think, it's, I think the deepest desire that every person has is to do good, to be a good person. Right, like think about your, the end of your life. If people are standing around uh, your 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 graveside, or maybe your deathbed, or something like that, and what do you want them to say about you? Like no one says, "Man, I want people to say that guy had the best sneaker collection of all time," or like, "Man, they had they had the biggest portfolio. Like it was a it was amazing. They did such a great job with their money." Or or you know they uh, uh, you know so, something like that. Or, or man, they did a really good job of climbing the corporate ladder. Like they were a really really hard worker. Like, we don't care about those things at the end of the day. What we want people to say about us is about our character. Like, man, that person was a good person. That person really loved people well. That person really tried to make a difference in their lives. That's our deepest desire. But did you know that our deepest desire is not always our strongest desire? That our deepest desire, that, that if your deepest desire is to, to know God or to experience the presence of God, or to be a good person, to be a good mom or dad, or, or to make a difference in this world. If that's your deepest desire, it doesn't always mean it's your strongest desire. Strongest desire meaning that thing that pulls at you the most. That thing that is really easy to succumb to at really any point. I love this passage in Galatians chapter 5, and this is kind of where we're studying for today. So if you want to go read later uh, just one chapter on this whole subject, go to Galatians chapter 5. But verse 16, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. He's saying, so inside of you, if you're a follower of Christ, inside of you, there's kind of two conflicting things that are going at each other. There's the spirit of God, which wants to do good. Maybe that's your deepest desire. But then there's the strongest desires, your flesh, and they're in conflict with each other. They're fighting with each other because all of us, say all of us, all of us were born with sinful desires. That's truth number one. Truth number two about the flesh is sinful desires built upon themselves. Sinful desires build upon themselves. Now, I'm going to make a kind of a bold statement, and for some of you it might sound a little crazy, but, but it's true. The most pressing danger in our world today, the most pressing danger in our world today, it's not COVID, it's not the president or political people, it's not the far right or the far left. The most pressing danger in our world today is your flesh. It's your sinful desires. 
It's my sinful desires. Why is, that the, the, why, why is our sinful desires the most pressing danger? Because of the law of returns. You've probably studied or, or thought about the law of returns at some point. The law of returns has really two principles. Number one, that every cause has an effect. Every cause, we get this, right? You sow something, you reap something. You put in something, you get something out. We understand the cause of effect. You do something and you get something out of it. That's principle number one for the law of returns. Principle number two is the effect is often disproportionate to the cause. Meaning that you do this, but you get this. It's like, that's kind of crazy that this is the end result when all I did was this right here. We see this best in like compound interest. I was trying to explain to my daughter, my nine-year-old this weekend about compound interest. Didn't go over so well. But, but in case you don't understand compound interest, say you're 20 years old and you invest $5,000 initially and you invest $1,000 a year for the next 45 years till you're 65, you're gonna have $1.1 million. Now, if you wait 10 years, you wait till you're 30, this is gonna be depressing for some of us, you wait till you're 30, and you invest $5,000, and then you invest $1,000 every year from that point on for 35 years, you're going to have $400,000. That's a difference of $700,000 in just 10 years. And just $10,000 that you're investing go, equals out to $700,000. Why? Compound interest. The law of returns. Law of returns is also true, not just in our finances or in working out and other areas. The law of return is true in our spiritual formation, because this is how it works. You sow a thought, you reap a deed. You, reap, you sow a deed, you reap another deed. You sow some deeds, you reap a habit. You sow some habits, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. So if you sow into the spirit of God, you sow into the things of God, you come to church, you read the word, you pray, you do the things that God calls you to do, then it's going to result in you sowing and you reaping the fruit of God. You're going to reap the the fruit of the spirit. Like there's going to be amazing things that are planted deep down inside of you that are going to come out in this world and in the relationship that you have. Problem is, the same is true when it comes to our flesh. You start doing things, the, the, the desires of the world, the desires that you and I have, these strongest desires sometimes, you start investing in them, those things go deep into your soul, and then out comes stuff that you never wanted to happen. It begins to impact you and transform you. The law of returns, it's exciting when it comes to working out or our finances. It's sobering when it comes to our spiritual formation, when it comes to how we walk in our relationship with God and and what comes out in our, in our character. Most people fail in the art of living, not because they're bad people or because they don't have the willpower to change. They fail because they wake up one day and they don't realize they're at a crossroads. And they have to make a choice about which direction they're gonna go. And that choice will determine everything. You see, because nobody wakes up one day and goes, you know what, I'm gonna cheat on my spouse. Like that sounds like a really good idea. No, what they do is there's a thousand other small decisions over the course of time that equal out to cheating on your spouse. No one wakes up one day and says, you know what, I just want to be a really, really negative person. I just want to be angry and, uh, and all of that. No, it's a thousand other decisions over the course of time. You go, man, I'm angry. Like, I'm really frustrated. And I'm really mad at people or this situation or whatever. You don't just wake up one day and then that's the result. Like, oh, I'm just going to be this type of person. It's a lot of other decisions that you made along the way. It's the law 
of returns. Sinful desires built upon one another. Now, some of you are probably thinking, Ernest, this is such an encouraging message. Thank you for this. Like, I'm, I'm feeling uplifted. Is there any hope at all? Well, truth number three about the flesh is there is power to overcome the flesh. There is power to overcome the flesh. How many of you are animal lovers? Anybody animal lover? Okay. The rest of you are lying because you live in Colorado, which means you're an animal lover. All right, my favorite animal is the hippo. Don't judge me. That's just I, sometimes I feel like one, whatever. That's my favorite animal, but I can't have that one as a pet. So I'll go with my second favorite animal, which is a dog. Now, if I had my dream dog, can you guess what my dream dog would be? It'd be a bulldog, either an English one or a French one. It'd be one of those two. That would be like my dream dog. Now, I love animals, but did you know there's a massive difference between humans and animals? And I'm not talking about the thumbs. The biggest difference between animals and humans is they can't change their nature. Right, like a, a coyote's chasing after a rabbit. He can't stop and be like, ah, do I really want to eat that thing right now? Like he's not going to read a book on vegetarianism. He's not going to worry about what PETA's going to say about him. There's no ethics in the animal kingdom. There's none. They can't turn the other cheek. There's no loving thy neighbor or loving thy enemy. There's none of that. A dog is going to be a dog. A hippo is going to be a hippo. A cat is going to hopefully not exist. Like, you know, this just... This, Ah, I struck a nerve with some people. <laughs> Animals can't change their nature, but you and I can. We get to choose whether or not we devour one another with slander, with gossip, with what we write on social media, with sexual exploitation. We get to decide whether or not we're going to eat one another, whether we're going to destroy one another. We get to make that choice. I love what, what Paul writes here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to enjoy, indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that before. Verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. What's he saying? You have a choice. You have a choice in what you choose to do. You have a choice of whether or not you choose to devour one another and, what, and how you choose to respond. You have a choice in whether or not you give in to the flesh and the desires of the flesh or you choose to live by the spirit. It's your choice. Okay, Ernest, how do I make that choice? Like, how do I overcome the flesh? If I desire to not, not indulge in the things that I indulge in, to not do, like if I know there are areas of my life, and if, you, if you're anything like me, Man, every day you wrestle with this. Every day you wrestle with these strong desires to go in these sinful passions, in this sinful way, and yet you want to do the deepest desire, which is to please God and to know him more. If you're anything like me, that's a daily thing. So how do you overcome the flesh? How do you actually over, how do you have the power to overcome the flesh? Let me give you two steps. Number one, make a choice. Make a choice to crucify the flesh. You have to make a choice. I love Galatians 5, 24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Crucifixion was the most brutal form of execution. It was the most brutal form of execution. There was this whole process. And then when they finally got them to the wood, it was brutal. 
And I don't think it's any accident that Paul here uses this term to get rid of the flesh. I don't think it's any accident that he says, man, you can't just go, you know what, uh, I, I'll just try to be better next time. Or you know what, I know I'm addicted to this thing over here, but you know, maybe by like March, I'll be a little bit better. Or you know what, what I'm dealing with is not that bad. I mean, it's not like I'm killing somebody. It's not like I'm, I'm doing any major issues. It's not that bad. Paul says, no. If you want to live by the Spirit of God, you've got to crucify the flesh. You've got to cut it off. The sinful desires, those passions, you've got to make it. Man, I want to be done with this now. Not like later, hey, I'll deal with this other stuff first. So my kids have stuff, so I'll deal with their stuff and then deal with mine. He says, you've got to crucify it. You've got to get rid of it right now. And if you make that choice, then there's a second step. And that second step is to keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. You see, there's a lot of next things you could do. You can, if you have an addiction, you can go to AA. Or uh, if you need counseling, there's professional counseling. Or there's a lot of things you can do. And if you've been at Front Range for a while, then you know, man, I encourage all of that. Like, take as many next steps as you can to get healthy in your life. But if you do all those things and you don't keep in step with the Spirit, it's going to be useless. Why? Because the Spirit of God is what gives you power. All throughout Galatians 5, it says, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Then he says, keep in step with the Spirit. It's the Spirit that gives you power to overcome the flesh. You see, you can have willpower. And sometimes we think, man, if I just have willpower, if I just, if I just will it into existence, and willpower is good. And when willpower works, like willpower can work with, with prefrontal cortex stuff. Like, like, should I have another cookie? Ernest, don't eat another cookie. Okay, willpower can come into play there. But willpower does not work when it involves the amygdala, when it involves a part of your brain that is the fight or the flight part of your brain. Willpower, willpower when it comes to an addiction, willpower when it comes to a father wound, willpower when it comes to some other pain that you've experienced in your life, somebody's taken advantage of you, something has happened to you that is painful, willpower against those things, good luck impossible. It's impossible. The only way to overcome those things is the Spirit of God. It's the power of God's Spirit moving in your life, breaking you from addictions, bringing healing from those wounds. It's only the Spirit of God. So how do I get the Spirit of God in my life? One, you give your life to Christ. You give your life to Christ. For some of us, that's a first-time decision. We had four people last service that made, made a decision to accept Christ here in the room. I don't know how many online. So it's a decision to say, okay, man, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. And Christ died on the cross for my sins. And Ernest, I may still have questions. I may still have doubts. God's okay with all of that. He's just saying, man, come to me. Right, give your life over to me. Trust me. But it's not just a one-time decision. It's an everyday decision. Like every day we wake up and we decide, am I going to live for God or am I going to live for me? Am I going to live by the Spirit of God or am I going to live by my flesh? Every day we have to make that decision. Every day we should make the decision to commit our lives to Christ. Okay, God, today I'm yours. I know I did this yesterday and I know I did it the day before, but today is a new day and today I'm yours. I give you my life. Do as you will. You got to commit your life to Christ. 
Second thing you can do to live by the Spirit of God, to experience the power of God, is fasting. We talked a little bit about fasting last week. We actually started a 21-day fast last Sunday. And man, it's been awesome to hear some of your stories, some of the things that you guys are fasting and, and people talking about. I, we were with friends and, and one of them said, hey, when you first gave this challenge years ago, I did it and I, I decided to fast social media and I was off for three years. I was like, what? That's crazy. That's amazing. And so it's been awesome to like hear some of your stories and what you're fasting and all of that. But I'm gonna put a little different wrinkle on this one. I'm gonna give you a little bit of a different challenge today. Over the next seven days, it's only seven days, but you can do it. I want you to fast food. Not eat fast food, fast food. Now here's what I'm saying. Some of you are like, what? You're telling us not gonna eat? You can fast a meal. You can fast from sunup to sundown. You can fast if you're like, man, I'm just a chocolate lover. Then don't eat chocolate this week. Like you choose, you choose. Fasting, in my opinion, is a spiritual discipline, the number one neglected spiritual discipline by the church today, by Christians today. You look in Jesus' life, man, he fasted a ton. The early church fasted a ton. In fact, the early church would fast every Wednesday and Friday. In the fourth century, the, the church, they would fast for 40 days, sun up to sundown. All I'm saying is seven days, seven days. Why fast food? Because of your appetite, the craving. How many of you have realized that it's really hard to control the appetite? Like some of y'all get hangry because you can't control your appetite. And when you fast food, you show power over your appetite. You're able to break its power. And you're able to see that the presence of God in your life, the spirit of God in your life has power, not only over your appetite, but over the flesh. The early church, they didn't didn't fast things like social media and, and maybe you're fasting your kids, you know, or something like that. It was food. You can fast your kids, that's up to you. But it was food. Will you join me for seven days just saying, hey, God, over the next seven days, I'm going, to get, I'm going to give up breakfast. Now, if you're like me and you already don't eat breakfast a lot, that's unfair. Don't do that one. Do another one. But, hey, God, I'm going to give up this. And so every time you have that drive to eat that thing or at that time, spend it going, God, break me. God, break this desire that I have of the flesh. Break this addiction. Break whatever it may be. God, heal me. God, transform me. Just seven days. Just seven days. So how do you get the the power of God? How do you walk by the Spirit of God? Give your life to Christ. Fasting. And then lastly, confession. Confession is another one of those spiritual disciplines. I think it's the second most neglected spiritual discipline right after fasting. At least in the church today. And I get it. For some of us, man, we we come from a faith background that abused confession. And if that's you, I'm sorry. But just because man abused something, just because humans abuse something, doesn't mean that it's still not something God wants us to do. You look in James chapter five, and it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another and you'll be healed. So confession to God brings forgiveness, but, but according to James five, confession to one another brings healing. Do you want healing in your life? 
What does confession look like? It means finding a friend, a spouse. It means finding somebody in your life that you trust. You can say, hey, no one else knows this. Or hey, you've walked with me in this in the past and I'm, it's back. I'm kind of wrestling with this now. If you don't have anybody, we'll have some of our prayer partners up in a minute and you're like, man, I don't have anybody in my life to do that. Then just come to one of our prayer partners and share with them. But confession will bring healing. Confession is simply us agreeing with God what he's already said to us or about us. And so confession. The only way to break and to overcome this enemy, the enemy, enemy of our soul, the enemy to our peace called the flesh, is to crucify the flesh, to say, I'm done, no more. And then to walk in step with the Spirit. Jesus, every day I'm giving you my life. God, I'm going to fast so that I can have power over my appetite, so I can see your power over my sins. And then I'm going to have confession so I can find healing. When we do those things, when we walk by the Spirit of God, we live out this verse that I've already read to you. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that we see all throughout your word that we do have three major enemies. Three major enemies that come at us, that try to rob us of peace in our life. And God, if we're wrestling with peace right now, if we're longing for peace right now, then whatever we're dealing with falls into one of these three categories. For some of us, it is a fight that we're having with Satan. So God, help us to know your word, to be able to combat those lies. With many, many, many of us, God, the fight is with our flesh. Which I don't even like to admit, because it's way easier for me to blame Satan. Because I can point the finger at him. I can point the finger at the world. But the flesh is on me. So Father, I pray for each one of us that God, you would help us to walk in step with your spirit. That, God, you would help us first. The very first step is to give our life over to you, Lord Jesus. And for some of us, man, we, we, we do that on a regular basis. For others of us, God, we've, we've never done that before. Or maybe for some of us, we, we did a while ago, but if we're being real honest, we walked into this place and we'd say, man, I've been trapped in my sin. I've been trying to do it on my own and it's just not working, Ernest. If that's you, God's just saying, come home. Doesn't mean you're gonna have all the answers or you're not still gonna wrestle with some doubts or anything like that. But coming home acknowledges your own sin and your need for Jesus. So if that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, today I wanna commit my life to Christ or Ernest, I wanna recommit my life to Christ, I just want you to raise a hand. Amen, 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 amen. Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know their name, you know their story. You know what they've been walking through, God. And I just pray, Father, that you would show up in their lives in a powerful way, Father, that as we come to you, God, that you would bring peace, that you would bring your presence in such a way, God, that we would find freedom, we'd find healing, and we'd find your power. And God, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are. God, for some of us, we've been wrestling with some sin in our life, and we just, we haven't been willing to crucify it. We haven't been willing to say, okay, I'm done. I'm done, no more. I don't want this addiction anymore. I don't want these thoughts anymore. I don't want this temptation anymore. I'm done. And for some of us, God, we've done that. 
We've just been struggling with walking by the Spirit. God, may we commit our lives to you. May we choose fasting as a way to break the power of the appetite in our lives, seeing your power be over our sins and our flesh and set us free. And then, God, may we use confession as a way toward healing. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.